uh, are finishing up our Christmas series, and as we're uh, preparing to go into the new year, I want to offer up some observations, some thoughts, and some challenges uh, for us as a campus and as we are uh, moving into 2019. So we had our first Christmas Eve service, uh, the, uh, and we brilliantly decided to do it on Christmas Eve, which worked out really well. And if you were here, uh, we talked about the idea that God's divinity was born in a stable and that it was a mixture and continues to be, Jesus is a mixture of dirt and divinity, right? Humanity and the divine combined. And that there were shepherds who were there witnessing this event the large crowds, because it's a city filled with people, that's why Mary and Joseph were having their baby in a manger in a back alley cave location where animals would be kept. The city is filled with people. And how many people walked by and missed God being born in a stable? And I'm just fascinated by that part of the story, that there were people all around and they missed it. How has that changed between then and the 21st century? Not much, right? That there are people who are walking around missing the idea that there's a God that loves them, that there's a God that would choose to come to planet Earth to be like them, to, re, to relieve them of their sin. The world misses that. Uh, so that, that's a interesting thought as I think about God being wrapped in flesh. And then we talked about that, that God was not just born in the midst of the mess of a crowded city, but was born in the midst of humanity. So uh, we've been in the midst of the series that we're calling uh, 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 What Keeps You Up at Night, and we're using the, the lyric, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in the tonight's, we're talking about hopes and fears, and fear isn't always our enemy, right? It's simply something that we need to overcome. It can be a stimulus. It can lead us forward. It can guide us, and that Christmas is not about the absence of fear. What we've been talking about is that fear is an emotion, and we all have it, and it's not going to go away. Fear is part of the human condition, but hope is not an emotion. Hope is a belief, an expectation in something else. Hope is a decision. Uh, I mentioned on Christmas Eve, it's a, it's a style. Hope is a style. I like that. It's a way to live. And that hope is the antidote to fear. So in a few weeks, we're going to begin. Uh, I've been reminiscing, I guess, and also thinking about the coming year, we are going to begin our second year as a campus. Uh, those of you who set up this morning, you were part of setup number 52. Yeah, you were. Whoa, hey, look at that. Wow, wow, wow we have fluorescence. We're going with fluorescence this morning. Okay. Sure. It's a clapper. That's what it is. Okay. Sure. All right. Uh, so, uh, so today we began. Uh, now, we didn't begin our second year as a campus because you remember that first Sunday in January was our practice Sunday, right? Where we, we had all this equipment and it was like Christmas morning. We were, and, and remember how uh, we were scared, like how are we going to figure out how to set this stuff up, right? So we started this moon, right? Experiencing levels of fear that we never experienced before as we were trying to figure out what if nobody shows up? What if nobody comes? And uh, I I want you to know that over the last year, I've had several quotes that have been, uh, they started out as 
they were quotes that were texted to me first. Somebody said, hey, I read this and I thought about it and uh, it reminded me of what you're doing with this campus. And so they sent me a text and then the text turned into something that I printed and it laid on my desk for a while. And, I had, and sometimes quotes get taped to my computer screen and things like that. Well, th- th- these two quotes became so important. See, it's only been 52 weeks. We're still figuring this out. <laughs> 52 weeks of turning the lights on and off, and we're still figuring out how to do that, right? Because there's switches back there, and they have up and down things too, and that's really confusing sometimes. So we're working on that. So these two quotes became such a part of uh, my devotion time that I decided to put them into a frame. And uh, now the frame sits on my desk so that I would see them uh, every day. The challenge with having something on your desk is that sometimes it becomes part of the landscape too, and so it easily is forgotten. So I try to, uh, uh, <laughs> I try to make sure that I at least read this at least every week. And uh, so bring it to you is going to re-energize that practice for me. But I wanted to read them to you. The first one, it's up on the screen. It's from John Maxwell. He's a leadership guru. He says, when it comes to leadership, attitude is very important. Then he says, you need to see possibilities when others don't. Does that so fit with what we're trying to do here? Seeing a possibility when other people don't. Encourage people when they are feeling defeated. That happens when we're moving stage equipment and it's in the way of somebody setting up a screen. And sometimes encouragement needs to take place there. (laughs) And demonstrate commitment when others want to quit. You need to see possibilities when others don't. Encourage people when they are feeling defeated. And demonstrate commitment when others want to quit. The second quote, uh, I, I felt they connected and they came in two different text messages, but I felt that they went together, and so I put them together on one frame, and the second one is from a gentleman named Jim Collins, and he said, you must maintain unwavering faith that you can and will prevail in the end. Again, does that so fit with what we're doing here? Regardless of the difficulties, and at the same time, have the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. If you'd like, I'll, I can email them to you. Uh, just email me, and uh, we'll make sure that they get emailed out to you so that you can uh, uh, use them to inspire and encourage and challenge you. Attitude and faith and discipline. So in 2018, we decided to launch what started as a dream, and we have been turning it into a reality. At the end of 2017, in September, At our first Mount Laurel Fall Festival, we introduced ourselves to Mount Laurel and to, uh, that's where we met Chick-fil-A. Not that we didn't know who Chick-fil-A was, but we met Valerie from Chick-fil-A, right? And uh, our Chick-fil-A and Mount Laurel uh, relationship and our relationship with Mount Laurel Township was just beginning. It was in its infancy at that September 2017 uh, Fall Festival. We had no idea what those two relationships were going to do for our campus, We just began those relationships. And so one of the things that I've been praying about and journaling about is, God, what relationships are you going to open up for us in 2019? 
And God, what are you going to do for us and through us and to us in 2019? In January, if you remember, we began our training and it seemed daunting, right? All this new equipment, uh, all those kind of things. We began to imagine what could be. Uh, we went through our turbulent middle school months, right? Remember? We were in the middle school, and uh, it had tile floor and 1960s-style lighting. Uh, and we had lighting issues back then, too, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Way back, way back in 2018. And we, I dreamed about this location. Uh, I've told this story a couple times, but when we first started coming to Mount Laurel and praying about being in Mount Laurel, I drove uh, past this building and did some Google searching and found out that there was a community center. And then, um, because this is the way I kind of do things, uh, I just drove over and stopped in and walked through the building uh, without being invited and uh, found that there was some seniors playing cards and different things. And, and I realized the walls broke down and I thought this would be an ideal place. And uh, so I, we had a meeting at that first fall festival. We had a meeting to talk with the Mount Laurel Township. And I said, hey, would you do you guys ever rent out the space? And they said, no, we're closed on the weekends. And I said, oh, would you ever consider opening? No. Okay. So six months later, after we've been getting to know them a little bit, uh, I acted like I'd never asked that question. And I asked it again to the same gentleman and said, hey, would you ever consider renting the community center space? And he said, yes, but it would cost a lot of money. And he gave me a number and it was a lot of money. And I said, okay, that's a no. Uh, and so we went, okay, well, that's okay, God. God has another plan. We continued to do our middle school deal. And then uh, through some relationships that we've uh, created here, uh, somebody who's having a conversation with somebody else, and next thing you know, they email us and say, hey, we have an idea. Would you guys like to use the community center for church? And I emailed back, and now I'm not good at negotiating. I emailed back and said, uh, we can't afford that. And thanks anyway. And they said, no, we wouldn't charge you. And I went, no, this is it's April Fool's. There's a joke here, right? And it turns out that it wasn't that, that the township just likes us enough that they would let us do that. And so in October, so we've only been here since October, so the light issue is I can, uh, we're going to figure that out, okay? The tech people are really mad at me right now, so we're going to work that out. Next for us. See, because as we're talking about this idea of fear, and fear brings the unknown, there's always going to be an unknown for us. What's next, which can lead us to more fear? So I want to share with you a special service we have coming up. It's a Sunday morning, January 27th. When we got, to, uh, got permission to use the community center, there was only one state stipulation is they said, you can't use the building on Sunday, January 27th because there's something already scheduled there. Uh, otherwise, you can have every Sunday and we'll just put you in the calendar and it'll just go on forever. And I went, great. So every Sunday we're booked. Yes, every Sunday, except Sunday, January 27th. So since October, Sunday, January 27th has been looming in the back of our brains. Like we don't have a place to have church on Sunday, January 27th. And you don't want to cancel church because that's just not fun to cancel church. So there's got to be a plan. So we've been praying about all different locations. We started talking to people, and we're getting no's again because nobody wants to have Remembered, we're friends with Chick-fil-A, and Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays, except when it's not. So on Sunday, January 27th, we are going to have our church meet at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to meet there. Everyone's invited. 
Uh, Chick-fil-A is open on a Sunday. Well, not really, but yes, they are. Uh, so we're not allowed, they're not allowed to sell us any food. So I asked whether they just give it to us, but they're not doing that either. But, they're, but, we're, but we're allowed to bring our own food in. So we're going to have breakfast together at Chick-fil-A. All right, we're going to have, uh, Jerry, we'll have donuts. All right. All right, make sure there's donuts. We'll have bagels. We'll we'll do. We'll have a nice. We'll have a nice spread. Uh, setup team. That's a fourth Sunday, Bill. No trailer. No setup. Uh-huh. Sleep in if you want. All right. But uh, yeah, Rob, you got the Sunday off of driving. All right. So we're excited about that. All right. Uh, we will have communion together, and it's going to be a fun service. Uh, we're going to do some really neat and creative things. It'll be uh, it'll be a nice time together. Okay. So bring the kids. Uh, we're not. We're going to have kids ministry right in the midst of everything else. We'll we'll or we'll send them into the play ball pit. Right. Whatever that. Is. Maybe we'll do that. We won't ask if we're allowed to do that. We'll just assume it was open. Uh, no, we'll, uh, we'll come up with a plan. So no, so we're excited about that. So you'll hear more about that. But January 27th is uh, uh, Hope at Chick-fil-A. It's open on a... Yes, Mount Laurel. Yes, uh, the, one, the one on... Um... Yes, Center and Square. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. What? Oh, we'll figure out something. I don't know. I don't have that many plans figured out. Wait, Susie doesn't get the Sunday off. No, that's what we're saying. Okay. All right, so so let me move on now. Those are all those things. I want to wrap up our series with some observations and uh, some thoughts about some additional characters from the Christmas story. And so we're going to be reading some scripture, And but let me pray for us, since that was all kind of like a lot of announcements and things, but... uh, so that was announcements in disguise. So let me pray for us. So God, I pray that in these next few moments that as we uh, share uh, and look at uh, the Christmas story one final time this season, I pray, God, that you would again open up uh, your words to us. Allow us, God, to see with your eyes and to hear with your ears that we would understand and uh, be aware of the incredible incredible gift that Jesus is to the world. So God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable to you, God. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, this morning we're reading from Matthew chapter 2, and it's up on the screen. It's, uh, uh, we're going to read the first 12 verses. We're going to read a few verses. I'm going to stop and talk as we go along. But in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it starts out, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So I think there's a comparison that Matthew is making here in these verses, and we're going to look at two different people and what motivated these two different groups of people. The first would be Herod. We're going to be introduced to Herod, who's the king. And Herod is motivated by fear. He's paranoid. Uh, He lives in fear. Uh, Out of fear of being overthrown, uh, Herod had his wife killed and had two of his sons killed. Uh, But by the way, don't be too concerned about Herod living alone. He also had nine other wives. Uh, But but Herod did kill family members because of this motivating, uh, motivated by fear and paranoia that he would be overthrown. Uh, He's a tyrant. Uh, He died in 4 BC of a horrible complication of kidney disease. And it turns out that at his death, his kingdom was divided by his by his uh, surviving children. 
So we're going to hear about Herod, but we're also going to see that the star of the story is the wise men, also known as scholars or astronomers or royal astrologers. Now, the wise men sometimes in Christmas pageants tend to be, uh, they're almost like the the after-the-fact characters in the story. They're wearing Burger King cardboard crowns, and they have purple towels over their shoulders uh, at best. You know, they're kind of just thrown in there because at this point, the shepherds and the sheep have arrived, and and so, you know, the kings are just kind of thrown in there. Uh, The other thing is that there's always three kings in the Christmas pageants that you see uh, because there's three gifts, but we really don't know how many kings there were. There may have been only two to make it plural, or there could have been as many as uh, 22. We don't know how many kings. We just know that they brought three gifts. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and those three gifts were traditional kingly gifts. Uh, They were likely uh, from a Jewish community that was living in Babylon. These were folks who were left over from the exile, and they were uh, were either uh, Jewish themselves or they were influenced by Jews that were living in exile in Babylon. And uh, we, we, we surmise that because they read the Old Testament, because they likely read and had faith in Numbers 24, which talks about a star. Uh, they also traveled thousands of miles to get to Bethlehem. And so we have Herod and these wise men. In verse 3, it's up on the screen. So King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. What did he hear? He heard that there were some men from far away, wise men, astrologers, astronomers, who were looking for a newborn king of the Jews. Now, he's the king of the Jews. That's not going to sit well with Herod, right? This paranoid king finds out that there's potentially a newborn king. So when King Herod was deeply disturbed, when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. So Herod believes that he's, uh, he's going to plot an evil plan and he's going to use the wise men to do his searching for them. So he says, he learned from them the time when the star first appeared, and then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Verse 9, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Just a little comment here is Jesus is likely older. Some think that he was about two years old at this time. And so uh, those of you have those little nativity sets at home, right? You have them set up with Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and some sheep and a little, right? You have those things. Where do you put the wise men? 
far away. Good job, Judy. All right, never put them in there because they're two years coming yet, all right? They're just starting their journey. They're not anywhere near, all right? Verse 12, when it was time to leave, so they've done worshiping. When it's time to leave, they return to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So some, some thoughts I have on that. First is that the Christmas story has some really hard-to-believe moments. As we've been going through this series, you know, we've been hearing about angels. We don't see a lot of angels. And now a star that is guiding some other men over a thousand miles. It can seem hard to believe. Even harder for a skeptic who comes to services out of tradition or to comply with a family member. It's hard to believe. Uh, when I was, I was a youth pastor for a long time, almost 20 years. And when I was a youth pastor, when I would prepare messages, uh, I would prepare messages with the idea of a middle school boy. Because in a room full, filled with, with students from 6th grade through 12th grade, uh, the ones who were hardest attention to maintain is middle school boys. So if you can keep a middle school boy's attention, I felt that I could keep everyone else's attention too. So that's how I prepared messages for those 20 years of talking with kids. I always thought in the back of my mind, what's a middle school boy thinking right now? Because that's what I want to engage in. So I've changed it since I started working with adults. I've changed it to a 30-something man. Now here's what's sad, is there's not much of a change between a middle school boy and a 30-something man. It just had to tweak it a little bit. But as I read, I always filter through what is a guy who's here who is wondering or sure they already know. What are they thinking as, we, as I read the story? It's hard to believe. As soon as you start talking about angels, it gets hard to believe. As soon as you start talking about stars, and Matthew even seems to indicate that the star was moving. But as I'm preparing, I'm also aware of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says this, the message of the cross is foolish, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. And so what can seem foolish, what can seem ridiculous, is also very powerful. So the question I want to ask is this, and I'm going to spend the next few minutes discussing this. Which is more absurd? Which is more absurd? Herod being led by fear or wise men being led by a star? Which is more absurd? There's a song that's on the radio uh, a lot now, if you listen to Christian radio, called Fear is a Liar by Zach Williams. And we've talked a lot about fear, so I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I'm just going to read to you some of the lyrics that he has in that song. He says, when fear told you you're not good enough, when fear told you you're not right, when fear told you that you're not strong enough, when fear told you you're not worthy, when fear told you you're not loved, that you're not beautiful, that you'll never be enough. 
when fear told you that you were troubled or you'll forever be alone or you'll never find a home. Fear tells you that you're dirty. Fear tells you that you're ashamed. Fear tells you that you could be the one that grace could never change. And then the chorus is that fear is a liar. And he will rob your rest and he will steal your happiness. What's more absurd? I would suggest a life led by fear is absurd. It's paranoia. It's fake news. It's never honest. It's always false information. It only harms. And yet that's a world that we live in. That we live in a world many times that's led by fear. Herod would fit in really well in the 21st century. Paranoia, take care of your own. But fear makes up characters and fear makes up stories that don't exist and it lives and breeds future fiction. So which is more absurd? To be led by fear or to be led by a star? Choose to follow a star. And two observations I see on that. The first one is that they maintained their focus. See, there were plenty of opportunities for them to have followed something else. They, it was a thousand miles they traveled. Every mile would have been an opportunity to turn around. Every morning that they woke up, they could have said, let's go somewhere else instead. They did not lose their focus. Even after meeting with Herod, he may have even made a pretty persuasive argument. They still were not changed in their direction. Some people would say that it's absurd to have a campus in Mount Laurel. There were people who in 2017, when we first began the idea, said there's plenty of churches in Mount Laurel. I would hope want to do this. I think there are two primary reasons. The first is to expand our influence. See, there are men and women who now are part of our hope community who never would have been part of our hope community if we had remained in Voorhees only. That's expanding our influence. And secondly, and probably more important, is that it is making hope, church, healthier. See, here's what happens with churches as they continue to grow, is that churches can become staff-driven and staff-led, and that's a good thing, but they can become staff-dependent, and that creates a consumer mentality where people can think, hey, I can show up because I'll get a really good show. The band will sing some good songs. Rick will make me laugh. I'll go home feeling pretty good. And it can create this consumer mentality. By having multiple campuses where we need more volunteers and more people involved, it becomes, hey, I can't just show up. I have to bring it on Sunday. And so it, it creates this healthy environment for people to be connected, for people to be involved, for people to, to be a part of what God's doing in the kingdom. So we can be fat and happy or lean and mean. 
I prefer lean and mean. (laughs) Someday, God, someday. So following faith will seem ridiculous to some people. But I would say that wise people maintain focus. And so they maintain their focus. Second thing I noticed is that they listened for and responded to God's leading, and they were willing to adjust their plans when needed. See, I would suggest that they searched, that they figured out, and they worked really hard. Again, different than fat and happy versus lean and mean. Throughout the story, these men listened, watched, and moved according to God's direction. They had to make choices and decisions based on the information at hand, and they had to do that one decision at a time. And so lessons for us as a community. Maintain focus on God and listen and respond to God. The wise men were not distracted or dissuaded by Herod or multiple other opportunities. They remained focused on the star. So those were thoughts that I had concerning our campus and our community. But I also think that there's some things for us as individuals in this story as well. So I have three questions for you. This is kind of bonus material. The first question is, what do you seek? See, fear seeks selfishly, right? Herod, it was all about holding on to mine, while wisdom seeks a greater power. Spend your time searching for the God who leads by stars and puts dreams of campuses into people's hearts and sends angels to tell shepherds about a baby born in a stable, a God who comes humbly to earth as a baby. I saw this on Twitter, and so that means it must be gospel. (laughs) There's something new inside of you that fear wants to contain. So what are you seeking? Fear seeks selfishly. Wisdom seeks a greater power. Second question is, where do you look? Fear uses our own strength. Wisdom follows a star. See, following requires humility and courage. So where are you looking? And third, what do you give? Fear tries to keep it all. Wisdom gives it all away. A journey of 1,000 miles came at a great personal cost to these men. Certainly a financial cost, but did they leave behind family and friends for a season? Additional price had to be paid for that, I'm sure. And what was the purpose of their journey? As far as we can tell, they brought a gift, they worshiped, and then they went home. It was all about generosity. Wisdom gives it all away. So what do you seek? Where do you look? And what do you give? Will you stand with me for closing prayer?
And so, God, I thank you for the men and women in this room, and I thank you, God, for the path and the journey that you have led us on. And I pray, God, that we would be men and women of faith, that we would absurdly follow the God of the universe, that we'd be attentive to the direction that you're leading us, that we would move faithfully and confidently, that, God, we would be willing to put our best efforts towards following you. God, I pray as individuals that we would reflect on where we are in our own personal journeys. God, that we would, as men and women of faith, be led by you in our families and in our homes and in our workplaces. And God, we look forward to the work you'll continue to do in our lives and through us. God, thanks for allowing us to be part of this. And thanks for all that you do and all that you have done. And God, mostly we thank you for Jesus, a baby humbly born in a stable because you saw the great need that we had for salvation that you saw the brokenness in humanity and that you saw that that brokenness could be healed through a sacrificial death. And so God, I pray that we would be men and women who could communicate that truth through the way we live and through the words we speak to the men and women we see at work and at home and in our towns. God, that we would have a greater influence so that people who are searching will discover that there's a God of the universe who loves them like no other. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, the one that loves us more than we can imagine. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Just have a great day.